Tell them, McCluskey. Tell them what time it is. I don't believe you people. What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Huh? I... All right, kids, let's get cracking. Next seminar up June 9th through the 11th, then August 11th through the 13th, then October 13th through the 15th. For training camps on the list, we have a couple self-sufficient lifter camps, one on May 13th in Wichita Falls, and then one on May 20th in Omaha at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Both of those will cover the squat, the press, the deadlift, how to film yourself, and how to diagnose your own technique. We've added a lift shoot fight camp to the list. That's July 8th through the 9th, obviously a two-day camp in Wichita Falls, covering the lifts, some handgun work, and some combatives. We have a squat camp on the list in Astoria, New York on June 10th. And then the following are all squat and deadlift camps with spots still available. April 30th, as of the time of this recording, in Baltimore at 5x3 Training. May 21st in Chicago at Starting Strength Chicago. June 11th on Long Island. June 17th in Cincinnati at Starting Strength Cincinnati, and June 18th in Singapore at Hygieia Strength and Conditioning. We've also added a couple new squat, press, and deadlift camps to the list. Those are three lift camps, one in Manchester on May 20th, that's Manchester, the UK, and Brussels, Belgium on June 24th at Brussels Barbell. And as usual, Starting Strength gyms are still looking for talent. So if you're looking for a career change, or want to work with a great organization, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com, check out the coaching tab, check out the requirements, maybe fill out the form, maybe you get to talk to Ina, maybe you don't. If not, you're lost. Either way, check it out. And as usual, for more information on anything else that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Uh, today, we are going to continue our uh, habit of um, talking about what we have accomplished. <laughs> what we here at Starting Strength have accomplished. And uh, this will be no exception because... What we here at Starting Strength have accomplished is a lot. Uh, it's quite a bit. Quite a bit. You know how many pairs of weightlifting shoes we've sold? Despite the fact that there aren't any good weightlifting shoes available on the market. Yeah, not only that. Um, I mean. Yeah, weightlifting shoes for sure. Um, fuck belts. Oh, I was thinking of something else last night. That uh, oh oh fractional plates yep you know those didn't exist yep prior to uh, two thousand five you couldn't you had to make those if you right. wanted them yeah I remember using uh, washers yeah and then we uh, we said yeah you need to be able to go up if you're training girls you need to be able to go up a pound to work out and suddenly the market responded. And the rest is history. So, yeah, we're responsible for some important shit here. All right. Now, 
on top of just getting people stronger we've we've done that too well what we're going to talk about today is what is strength training what is it because i don't think it's been discussed in the detail it should have been but first first comments Comments. from From the haters notice my steely eyes boy there's some vitriol here man you uh, You just push these buttons and these guys come out of the come out of the all right this is all just damn near all about uh the religion of global warming from my commentary the other day that was posted climate change not global warming anymore it's climate change climate change yeah i'm mistitled that's the uh, 90s term right if you'll recall late 80s early 90s what did i say oh i don't know did i what did i say rusty did i say global warming or did i say climate change climate change is an interesting global warming concept Climate change implies that the climate doesn't change, <laughs> doesn't it? Right. Now, what do we know about the weather? It always changes. And what is the climate composed of? Lots of the days of accumulative weather. weather. Right. Right? That's what climate is. It's always changing. But if we call it climate change, you're supposed to know that it's getting hotter. Except that it's not. <laughs> so, so y'all want to see something funny? So, but, I just pulled up that video yeah. on YouTube, yeah. and under our video, there is a context still talking about the United Nations and what climate change the really IPCC. is. Yeah. Oh, who put that on YouTube? YouTube put that did. On? What's it wow. Say? It says climate change refers to long-term shifts in temperature and weather patterns, mainly caused by human activities. Ah, there you go. Well, we got their, we got their attention. We're not there yet. Especially the burning of fossil fuels. Yeah. Ah. Those are the key the key points that need to be added. Key oh, points man. need to be added that were somehow missing from my commentary. Right. So it needed con we it needed context. But let's somehow all... missing was me sucking the cock of the IPCC, which I am not going to do. Even though they they look at my full beautiful masculine lips and want them wrapped around their cock. I'm not going to do it. Fuck them. All right. So, these these people on the other hand, pretty angry, have got the IPCC's cock all the way down to their vocal cords. All right. <laughs> Rip, just stay in your lane, man. You're so wrong here. Well, that's a tough one. Stay in your lane, shit. All right, here's, look. Betus Maximus says, Rip had a recent talk where he talked about how he believes the scientific method is a good thing to follow. For example, learn more about strength training. Then he posts this stuff where he gets climate change dead wrong. Dead wrong. Dead wrong. He'll, he'll have to Get explain. your strength advice from... All right, now here we go back into the fucking ad hominem Get dog late, shit. Right. All right. Get your strength advice from strength coaches and your climate facts from scientists. Call decades of learning and research about climate change. Calling decades of learning and research about climate change a religion 
is like me calling starting strength a doomsday cult for disliking CrossFit. Well, we are well, kind of a doomsday cult, aren't we? We are. A bit. Kind a bit of a doomsday, doomsday cult. cult, aren't we? Uh, and I, I didn't call the learning and research about climate change a religion. I called it fraudulent. Right. What I called a religion was Betus Maximus's swallowing of the cum. That's what I called a religion, is you idiots who don't know anything about science, who don't know anything at all about how science is accomplished or what it consists of, you are the religionists, not the priests. The priests know better yep. than you do. And they depend on that, right? All right, here's Brian G. So he's an expert in energy now. <laughs> Like, honestly, has he ever done a math equation which proves solar and wind couldn't be sufficient if we properly subsidized it? Well, yes, I have. As a matter of fact, and it comes right down to the fact that there is only so much solar energy that falls on a square meter of the surface of the Earth. And the way this becomes viable, because it's not terribly... You know, I mean, it'll burn your naked ass if it's not already tanned. But the way this becomes useful as a source of energy is if you allow it to accumulate for millions of years as coal, as hydrocarbons. That's how we're using it. That's how you drive down the road to your little shitty-ass job as a teacher, Brian G. High school. He's a teacher, a high school teacher. The most interesting part of that comment is not he's, any of the quote-unquote science shit, is that he's just okay with the subsidized part. Yeah. There's the, there's the fundamental issue. Because it's not about any of this shit. It's about who's going to pay for it, right? Right. And that's the ultimate argument. Where right. is it going to come gonna from? Who's going to pay for it? It's, not, it's too expensive to Who be viable. Who pays for wind farms and solar farms? It's too expensive to be viable, so who's going to pay for it? It, it? Never, it never pays. It's too expensive. If... if that's this is this is really the core of the situation here. Prove solar wind couldn't be sufficient if we properly subsidize it. There you go. So who's what do you mean by subsidizing? Subsidizing well, means let it me tell you what you work. mean by subsidizing. It means it doesn't work. Subsidizing it means it doesn't work. Right. Subsidizing it means that every single wind turbine that you see dotting the landscape was paid for by the federal government because it doesn't generate enough power to pay for itself you stupid son of a bitch god almighty listen it's listen i'm a teacher high school (laughs) every physics teacher i work with says the nuclear waste issue is a huge issue no it's not every every high school high school physics teacher teacher. (laughs) right see they have degrees in science no they don't does rip no they don't Yes, RIP does. They don't have degrees in science. They don't have degrees in science. They (laughs) They have have degrees in teaching. They have education degrees is what they've got. And (laughs) does RIP have a science degree? Yes, he does. He has a geology degree. With 166 hours in my geology degree. Yes, I know about the weather because guess what? The surface of the Earth's geology... Its geomorphology is shaped by 
It's shaped by the climate. It's shaped by the weather. And yes, I've studied it extensively. Yes, I have a science degree. And you do not, Brian. Right? He's a teacher, though. He's a teacher. Uh, but he's a high school teacher. So, <laughs> But, by the way, I don't disagree about thorium reactors, but I think oh, I think a reasonable... Yeah, isn't that nice that he likes thorium? <laughs> but I think a reasonable person could respect suspicion of nuclear reactors given the disasters that have happened. Uh. There's one disaster in the history of nuclear power that's worth even talking about, and that is Chernobyl. Right. And that is not a disaster of it's nuclear not a, reaction. It's not That's a inher- disaster of Soviet <laughs> of <communists>. bureaucracy. <laughs> of communists. Yeah. Even the Fuku- That's what happened there. Even the Fukushima thing wasn't an inherent danger of the of of the uh he, he, of the technology. The next sentence. Yeah. The Japanese promised the Fukushima reactor would never ever melt down. No, they didn't. No, there was a tsunami. And they had built the thing wrong. They built it in the wrong place. That tsunami was and caused by global warming, by the yeah, way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tsunamis <laughs> are caused by global warming. <laughs> Stick to the weights, Rip. Uh, See, we have that shit again. Stick to the high school oh, teaching. <laughs> Stick to the high school teaching, Brian. He's yes. probably one of those teachers that said, we can't go back to the classroom because our lives are endangered because of we, COVID. We can't I go need back to, to the classroom because it's much more fun to sit on it, our asses. asses at home. It's like, it's, like right. a, uh, it's like a coach that um, coaches nothing but online, never has done in, <laughs> on, in-person coaching. Right. Because it's, like, it's, it's easier. I get to do it in my underwear. Fuck yeah. it. Do an online job. Online coaching is program consultation. It's not coaching at all. It's not the same thing. Doesn't mean there's not a market for it, but it does mean that there are two set words mean things. Right. Online coaching does not mean anything. Online program consultation, online form feedback. But coaching is standing there communicating with the lifter. And that's not what you guys do. All right? Now, and the rest of it is just, you know, would you take weightlifting advice from a client scientist, climate scientist? Well, I would if he'd had, if he had 47 SSC. years of weightlifting experience, yes. I would. Uh, and again, I listen to your advice on weightlifting because you have expertise. You're way out of your depth when you speak about climate science. By the way, it is people who deny the science who are essentially practicing a new religion. All right. I like how you can and, substitute the vaccine, climate, mm-hmm. COVID. Like you can take any of these things and just yeah. sub- substitute them. And the general public, the, like the Bill King exactly here, the, the general same. public has just swallowed the hook. Yeah. They have him right where they want him. You know, Bill, you have the ability to think about this just like I do, but you've chosen not to. That's not my fault. Okay. Uh, laughing my ass off. Stick to what you know, old man, how to shape dudes' butts. So the homos come out. <laughs> the best the thing, homosexuals come out. We've talked about this before, but the, be, the best part about this whole thing is that if, if, there were a, a, if there were a cheaper, more efficient way to do things, everybody in this room would be the first ones to fucking do it. Absolutely. Right? you got LED lights all over your gym. we yep. got LED lights all over this Absolutely. place. Absolutely. 
we've got when new you, new technology got, becomes available, you've got we flushless use it. urinals in your gym. That's right, right. So so you you had, my you had, gym but, but, is the greenest building in Wichita Falls. But nobody has to skylights. Nobody has to subsidize that shit because it's a good idea. Right, right. Good ideas are good ideas without federal money. So it's not about That's, it's not about it's not about being. Uh, uh, people are allowing themselves to turn this into a into a you versus me shit. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. It, it does. You know it doesn't work because somebody else has to pay for it. Right. Right. The, all you need to know about this whole entire thing is that two point six million dollars is what the federal government pays for every one of those turbine uh, masts. Right. Every wind turbine. Every wind turbine has been built with money from the federal government because they do not amortize. They will not generate $2.6 million worth of energy by the time they break. This is politics, and you are fools if you do not see the reality of this. A friend of ours hates the fact that they're on his land. Hates it. They they drip um, waste all over. Oh, yeah. Sure they thing. break down constantly. Sure. The company that owned them has switched hands like five or six times. Yes. Because they, before they break. Yeah. You know, they, they, they you know the, what the wind lease on all of those things says? It says that the landowner mm-hmm. at the end of the useful lifespan has to tear them down. Of the of the wind turbine, the landowner is responsible for disposal mm-hmm. and or maintenance. Isn't that great? Which means that when the red light goes out on top of the thing, the FAA light. The landowner has to take it down. Has to ta- has to take it down or fix the light. Mm-hmm. And these guys just sign these leases because they want the money right now, you know, without thinking about what happens at sure. the end of the road for ten sure. years from now. You know, you know the other way you know that this shit isn't any good is, is think think about how long you've driven by these wind turbines. Do they look any different than the very first one that went up? No, they look exactly the same. They're not making they do anything. Exactly the same. It, it, thing, things that are that are good get improved upon, mm-hmm. and they become cheaper. Right, and they become cheaper, and they have longer lifespans. Has that occurred? Just like your cars, right? Right. Yeah. Cars are now three hundred thousand mile cars, unless it's a BMW, <laughs> right? It's the wind turbine. <laughs> the wind turbine of cars. Wind turbine autos. <laughs> Right, and everything else is, you know, I mean, what used to be. I mean, look, how 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 long can you drive a Toyota Camry as opposed to a Chevrolet Vega? Montfort drove his for over 350,000 miles. Oh, yeah. And the only reason it died is because he probably is never he, changed the oil. Well, the reason it, it stopped is because he stopped changing the oil. So it just died. It just died. It's like, right, I've had enough. I've just changing the oil shit. You motherfucker. It's just gotten too onerous, if and I'm not going to do it. If you're not going to change the oil, we got to do something here. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> It was probably more expensive to change the oil yeah, than, than oh, than the car. No, the cars, those things don't depreciate, yeah. man. I'm telling you. Do you remember that thing? That was like yeah, a, no. that was like a '91 yeah. Toyota Corolla or Camry. It or always cracked shit. me up. Oh, seeing his, a, no, his it was a, out of it. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a Corolla. It was yeah, a Camry. The little one. It was a little one. Whichever yeah. one the little the one. Little two door coupe. Oh, <laughs> what the hell was that? wasn't a, wasn't a Camry. It's the Corolla then. It had. A, I think it was a Corolla. Corolla's I'm almost positive. Yeah, it's probably Corolla, but it was. Toyota just makes good cars, and they keep making them better. Mm-hmm. They keep making it better. In contrast, BMW <laughs> makes a good car, and they keep making it more and more impossible to work on. All right. <laughs> Can't be worked on. And how do I know that? <laughs> 
Well, I have a science degree. All right. Oh, shit. All right. Let's wrap this up. And that was, of course, this week's installment of comments, comments from, the, from fucking the fucking goddamn, goddamn haters. haters. See what you can do with that. All right. <laughs> don't so have to I, do, I do want to point out one comment that All was right. on there. Yeah. That, that it wasn't a hater comment. This guy, uh, Greg uh, Sucha, said, hearing this, I really do hope global warming is real. If things keep up, baseball may actually be interesting in the next 50 years. <laughs> right. Right. I started off with that baseball comment. Yeah. yeah. The, and nobody mentioned that. <laughs> nobody mentioned the absurd bullshit. That, you know, <laughs> that was the whole point of that whole thing. Yeah. All right. Anyway, now well, baseball was only interesting whenever McGuire and uh, was it and Sosa, Sosa, Sam and Sosa, whenever they were in the home run deal. That was the only time baseball was, was exciting. Great. I remember that. It was exciting when they had to talk to John McCain. <laughs> the Senate hearings <laughs> yeah. over anabolic steroid abuse in yeah. baseball. Yeah. Because that's the only sport that used anabolic steroids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Why no one else would have For done sure. that. Yep. And it's only because the obscene amounts of money involved in baseball that, that baseball players were able to afford it. How many bodybuilders were like watching this like oh, <laughs> every power lifter? I really hope they don't look at us. Every every field thrower in the whole goddamn world was going every s- sprinter. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody trying to get a gold medal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway. All right. Let's get back in our lane, shall we? Those of you people who like to tell us to get back in our lane, we're going to get back in our lane right now, but you're probably going to dislike what I have to say over the next hour or so. Because that's just the way you are. And the way you are is uh, you're just not very smart. You don't think about things in detail. You don't think about things that you cannot easily refute with something like, yeah, stay in your lane. Right. So here's here's the deal. This is in my lane. And it's in my lane. for very good reasons. I have been in this business for 47 years. All right? I started doing this a long, long time ago. And I have watched the fitness industry change from Jack LaLanne all the way through to online coaching. All right, I've watched the whole damn thing develop. And what I have seen is a, uh, a stubborn insistence on evaluating the productivity of a, a training paradigm or, a, or a, an exercise model, let's call it, by its effect on aesthetics. How does it make you look? Well, if you've got abs, then you're strong, right? If you've got big arms, you're in wonderful physical condition. 
right? That's that's it's never progressed beyond that. It's never progressed beyond that. Hell, the 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 advent of CrossFit almost twenty years ago was about abs. It's always been about abs. The whole damn thing is being judged by abs. If you've got abs, that's what you want. Visible abs are the sana qua non of fitness, and it's uh, it's just an amazing it's an amazing thing. Uh, and in and in contrast, you have uh, the sport of powerlifting, you have the sport of, of Olympic weightlifting, and you have the sport of strongman. Now these are these are barbell involved sports in that powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting involve uh, the use of a bar and plates in a, in an athletic competition to see who can lift the most weight. And strongman uses barbell uh, proxies for its who can lift the most weight. Those three sports represent um, activities that require higher levels of strength in order to be performed at the competitive level. So what we need to do is, this is what we're gonna talk about today. We wanna to talk about what is strength training. What is strength training? It's It's training to make you stronger, right? So what is strength? Now, those of you that are familiar with our material have seen this discussed many times. Strength is the ability to produce force against an external resistance. How hard can you push on something? How hard can you pull on something? Pushing and pulling are just versions of the same things. Muscular contraction under a load to produce force. So strength training, therefore, means training to improve your ability to produce force against an external resistance. Okay, now, when you go to the gym after work and you stop by the gym and you park your car in the lot, you walk in and you go change into your sweats and you come out onto the gym floor and you pick up a pair of 20 pound dumbbells and wave them around and you know you uh you sit down on the leg extension machine and flop around for a little while and then you get on the treadmill and watch the news for 30 minutes and then you go back in the locker room and you you get in the sauna and you take a sweat and then you take a shower and you go home you're not training you're exercising you're just doing the activity for the sake of just moving around getting sweaty and hot and tired all right training is different than that training means that you are going through a program an organized program of physical activity for the purpose of improving a physical parameter of some sort, whether it's strength or endurance, but it's organized, it's designed to produce an adaptation. And training depends on the stress recovery adaptation model of biology that we have articulated in uh, our materials for a long period of time. Stress recovery adaptation is the basis 
of training. Now, there's another aspect to sports performance which is important, uh, and that is the, the, the role of practice, which is that which develops skill. It's the uh, repetitive uh, execution of movement patterns that depend on accuracy and precision. But that's not really what we're talking about today. That two-factor model of sports performance is a very important article on our website that I would encourage you to read. It's called the two-factor model of sports performance because it it in, it informs uh, preparation for competitive sports. But today we're talking about something else. We're talking about strength training. Now, again, training is an organized programmed, precise method of improving your physiologic adaptation for the physical performance you're you're training for. Now, training for a marathon competition and training for a weightlifting competition are two different extremes along the physiologic continuum. All right. And that continuum goes from one rep max down to 10,000 meters. High force production, low force production, repeated ad nauseum. All right. And there's a, you know, it's a bell curve. It's like everything in nature, there's a distribution. And we are concerned with strength training. We're not concerned with preparation for a marathon, although some strength training is good for even those guys. But we're concerned with strength training. So what is strength training? <clears throat> well, well, hold on a second, Rip. It's not. It's not a. It wouldn't be a bell curve because the the only the 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 argument that we can make, I think, pretty effectively, is that force production is a baseline capability. It's a baseline attribute. Uh, a, marath- a marathon or the adaptations required to be able to do long, slow, very long, slow endurance is a specialization. Strength is not a specialization. Well, no, that, that's that's absolutely true. So all the, but, all but the, the bell curve nature of what I'm talking about is that of all of the human activities that we engage in, in terms of sports and physical activity, you have... The tails, which are relatively simple in terms of you've either got the marathon or you've got powerlifting. Right. And everything in the middle. It's not the middle, though. It's, it's all heavily skewed towards the force production side. It is. Everything it, that we care about doing is heavily skewed towards force production. So it's a giant. Well, if you want to consider it that way, marathon is about force production. Yes. Marathon is about low level. It's more of a it's a it's a twenty six thousand RM as opposed to a one RM. Right. So everything's about force production. No, that's absolutely true. I'm talking about in the bell curve part of it. In order that I just can't be wrong. The the bell curve part of it. Wrong. Nobody said the word wrong here. No, no, no. No, Just clarifying. Just clarifying. Let me let me me clarify. (laughs) What I mean is that. That of all human activities, <laughs> marathon on one end and powerlifting on the other end are the complete 
ass, ass opposites. opposites in terms of adaptation. Got it. All right. And everything else in the middle, which is most everything else, that's why it swells up, in the middle is a combination of the two. You have that poster in the back room, the uh, anaerobic, aerobic circle. Yes. And it has those two on the polar opposites. Yes. That's the Rob Miller yep. chart. And it's very useful. Yep. Uh, yeah, when we talk about it, like when I talk about it in the in the programming lecture, a good way to think about it, or a way that's helpful, you know, because it's it's not 100% accurate. But if you if you think of all of the human activities we just talked about, you have powerlifting on one end, you've got an ultra marathon on the other, and let's say that's that's 12, uh, it's three feet long, it's 36 inches long. Mm-hmm. So that's the spectrum of human activity that, mm-hmm. that we're going to consider. Uh, I would say that almost everything that we give a shit about developing is going to be in the first six to ten inches of that spectrum. Yes. Strength is much more important than endurance. Right. Now, the medical community hasn't figured this out yet. The medical community wants 75-year-old guys to run. Right. I don't understand how they can be... Well, I, I don't understand hardly anything about the medical community. How they can be so detached from reality all of the time is beyond my ability to comprehend. The past three years have taught us quite a bit about the medical community. And we, at this point in time, if you don't relegate your doctor to the same level of status as your plumber, then you are not thinking clearly. You're not thinking clearly. Dude, I think I generally t- trust the plumber. I'd more. rather I, the plumber's more useful. If the plumber comes in and tells me, hey, man, I think this is what's going on, I, yeah, do it. You Fix know? it. When a doctor says it, I'm like, yeah, let me go, let me go read up. Let me, let me, let a- me, and let me ask three other guys right. that I know. Right. I'm not going to ask the third plumber. And, 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 and furthermore, <laughs> if I pay you to tell me what's wrong and it ends up not being wrong, do I get my money back? <laughs> right. Well, well, no. You're paying me for my time. Right. I know we're going Well, I'm paying the, paying the plumber for the repair. Yeah. And if he fucks it up, he'll come back and fix it. Yep. But the doctor, no, 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 no. I know we're getting off on a tangent. Anyway, my, let's, yeah. My, my doctor told, told me, that's not normal. Well, what's that mean? Well, it's just not normal. No, you just said that. What, what, what the fuck does it mean, though? You know, am I fucking dying or not? No, it's just not normal. It's gotta, just not normal. We got to do more things. It's not normal. I don't <laughs> like this number. Is what he said. Exactly. I don't like this number. Oh, <laughs> uh, just I've, you know. So anyway, it's anti-science, man. Yeah, you guys are anti-science. anti-science. Yeah. You guys are like pagans <laughs> worshiping at a burning corpse or some <laughs> shit. I don't. That'd be pretty. Cool. So anyway, uh, back to the actual topic at hand. If uh, strength training is what we want to talk about today, if strength training is what we want to talk about, we have to have a definition for strength training. And the and the problem, of course, is that there hasn't been one. All right? Strength training is just what – you know it when you see it. It's like pornography or obscenity, rather. You know it when you see it. Well, that's bullshit. All right. One man's obscenity is another man's Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it, we need a definition of, of what strength training actually is. 
And if you just depending on who you talk to, anything that's harder than shooting pool is strength training. All right. Now, it's not just a coincidence that we, by the time you see this, you will probably have read my article about this on the website. And uh, what we're doing today is just kind of opening up the discussion of that article. And, uh, you know, if you've got any questions about it, you put them on the board and we'll get to it. But strength training is, is rather easily defined. But in order to define it, we have to, we have to understand that not everything is strength training because the definition is going to exclude some things. For example, are kettlebells strength training? Well, if you talk to kettlebell people, they'll tell you, well, yeah, of course they are. Well, what makes them strength training? Well, they're made out of cast iron, and we swing them, and you have to produce force to swing them. Right? And you learn how to clean them and snatch them and all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, they make, your, make you tired and sore and sweaty. So they're strength training. Well, no, they're not. They're not strength training. Uh, you can, what's the standard kettlebell test? Ten minutes of swinging a kettlebell? Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> Ten minutes? The complicating That's factor, the test, I the, think. The complicating factor is it is strength training for about three to six weeks. For three right? to six weeks, anything is strength anything. training. Yeah. Swimming is strength so, training so take for three to six take weeks. your pick of what you want to do. So, you know, when you, when you do a kettlebell for 10 minutes, uh, I mean, is, is, did you get to the point at 10 minutes where you couldn't swing it again? Well, no. Well, then it wasn't limited by your ability to produce force. If it's not limited by your ability to produce force, it doesn't produce an increase in force production. Now, this is just the math. This is simple and logical. All right, so strength training must be limited in terms of the stuff you can do with it by the amount of force you can produce. And if you work right up to the edge of that, and then you strive every time you do it to increase it a little bit, then it can be strength training. But kettlebells don't work that way. So kettlebells can't be strength training. Okay? Going to the gym after work and and getting your sweats on and going out to the dumbbell rack and picking up the 20-pound dumbbells and waving them around in the air for different combinations of movements is not strength training. All right, getting on the treadmill is not strength training. Doing leg extensions is not strength training. Doing calisthenics and push-ups and sit-ups and burpees is not strength training because none of those activities are limited in terms of the amount of force you can produce at maximum. For strength training to be strength training, you have to increase your force production capacity because that's what strength is. And there is only one way to increase your force production capacity, and that is to lift heavier weights than you are now. All right? Now, there are 
opinions about how to do that. But I'm going to offer you today a definition of what what that structure for strength training should look like. All right. The human body is capable of several different movement patterns. All right. And every other movement pattern besides the ones I'm about to tell you about right now are derivatives of these. All right. Just and this this is all determined by your skeletal and muscular anatomy. All right. So one, you could squat down and stand back up. Right? Two, you could pick something up off the floor and set it back down. Three, you can push something up over your head. Now these are all a function of the way the skeleton is designed. You could push something up over your head. Four. You could push something away from you, right? Five, you can pull something toward you. And six, you can throw something up off the ground and catch it. These are just the basic six human movement patterns. Now, if we figure out a way to load those incrementally to come in to the gym and perform a version of those six movement patterns. And when we do that, we use a little bit more weight every single time we do it until that quits working. Then we are strength training because we are strengthening the entire movement capacity of the human body. We're making the whole thing stronger, able to produce more and more force as measured by the amount of weight we lift in those movement patterns. Now, uh, just a moment's reflection will show you that this is, you know, uh, a pretty good definition. You know, I welcome challenges to this. I've thought about this quite a bit. And I don't know that we've left anything out there. So basically, if we select a way to load and execute those six basic human movement patterns with incremental, incrementally increasing loads, then we are producing a stronger human body. You guys see any hole in there? No, there's no hole. I look at it as a I, the the six the six movement patterns you're talking about are maybe even a, a step removed from a more fundamental principle, which is uh, you're and we're say, it's saying the same thing. But your your the system of levers that makes up your body <clears throat> is already moves a certain way, right? So when you're yep. when you're strength training, what we're doing is taking an implement that fits our body well, and you're making yourself heavier. Because you, right. don't, you don't need to do anything else. Just make yourself heavier. And again, make going, yourself heavier. Going back to the idea of strength as a, as a baseline attribute for human existence, if you can figure out a way to make yourself heavier and, not dis, and minimally disrupt the way that you normally move – You've got a you've got a great fucking thing, right? To, right? In order to get stronger, so so then so then okay, so 
that's fine. You know, put put a barbell on and, and weight yourself, and that I think that would encompass the squat, the deadlift, and the overhead press. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you add the other two, just out of or the other three movement patterns out of out of completeness, because you know it, it's got to be practical, right? It's got to be right. it's got to actually be practical. So then you add the chin up, and then the the explosive movement and the bench press. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the there could be an argument made for the bench not being included. Because you have an extra thing, right? You're laying right. on a thing. You're laying, You're on, laying a on a bench, but it's fine. That if we look at it as maybe a second order from just making yourself heavier and stressing, stressing. And here's the important piece: it's stressing your body maximally, yes. right? Because as a fundamental baseline attribute, you have to stress that attribute maximally. The force production, right? Adaptation must be stressed maximally. Yeah, it's got to be. This is in why other words, kettlebells are not training. Exactly. In other right. words, it's got to be hard as fuck because we're, right. we're we're fundamentally changing, fundamentally stressing and changing our architecture. It's got to be right. really hard. Well, it's like your definition of strength. It's uh, ability to produce force against an external resistance. You put training on top of that, then you have to make that harder. Yeah. So for people yeah, with you have a to make bit the external resistance heavier, enough heavier. to cause yes. a stress, a disruption, right, which produces the adaptation. Yes. And you have to and the second part of that is that stress must accumulate. Right. So that the adaptation accumulates. Continues. The yeah, whole continues. thing yes. is a function of the concept of accumulation. Right. Yes. We start here. And we go up a little bit. We go up a little bit. And if we started here, now we end up over here. Yep. All right. This is this is fundamental in terms of strength training. The slope of that line is what we're talking about. We are engineering adaptation. We're engineering a response through the use of the stress recovery adaptation cycle, which is just biology that's just by it's all organisms function according to that that's what your dna is for it enables you to if we change the temperature of the water in a lake the fish can either adapt to that or they'll die die. right some of them adapt some of them don't that changes the shape of the population of the fish in the water right you have got the same ability you have the ability to adapt to the stress and we are just taking advantage of the thing that's buried deep in your dna now here's the part of this rather general observation this is a very general observation this is philosophy of science stuff right this is a very general thing to to take note of because it happens across all species across all nature and has for the entire existence of life on this planet all right it's the primary function of your dna so we take those six normal human movement patterns and what we have done is we have figured out a way to practically load these things in an an incremental way so that the strength adaptation the force production adaptation accumulates over time so the squat for example presents an interesting 
array of ways to squat, doesn't it? High bar squat, low bar squat, front squat, quarter squat, belt squat, squat machine squats, leg presses, all this other shit, right? One-legged squats with 20-pound dumbbells. All right, these are Bulgarian split squats. What else? You think of any other ways to squat? Uh, well, there are as many ways to squat as there are sands of grains of sand on the beach or some shit like that. So the what we want to do is standardize the squat so that everybody can perform the same exercise according to the model of that exercise that most effectively disrupts homeostasis that that's you know pushes a stress on the on the body the most per, amount of muscle mass the most and the and that is the most amount of muscle mass operating over the greatest effective range of motion so that heavier weight can be used every time and so that therefore your strength goes up as a result of that adaptation to the stress so we do that we squat like that this is discussed in length in the book we squat like that then we wait 48 hours for this cycle to take place for the adaptation to take place and then we take the newly adapted physiology and we apply another stress to it another stress using the same exercise using the same technique the same depth same set of angles bar in the same place that we did the first time but five more pounds five more pounds and we do the same set three sets of five reps because that was that's what works best how do we know three sets of five works best because we've been doing this a very long time we've tried all the other variations and reps and sets and three sets of five works best take my word for it or you know reinvent the wheel you're free to do either one and what you'll see is that over time we can take a kid who walks in the gym squatting 115 for three sets of five and we can get him to 315 for three sets of five in seven or eight months happens every time happens every day and in the process of going from 115 to 315, he's gained 35, 40 pounds of useful body weight. Now, do we care about his abs? No, because we're not concerned with that particular adaptation. We're not concerned with his body fat percentage as an adaptation. What typically happens is that if he comes in completely out of shape, and he gains a bunch of weight, his body fat percent may go up one or two percent, but the presence of much, much, much bigger muscle bellies under the body fat makes him look what you would call better. This is what bodybuilding does not do. We are, we are not bodybuilding. We are not primarily concerned with the appearance of the physique. We are concerned with what the body can do because we are strength training. And strength training 
is not bodybuilding. But let's be clear, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you have to strength train. An actual no-shit bodybuilder. An actual high-level bodybuilder does, yeah. of course, because they've figured out that the only way to get big muscle bellies is by lifting heavy will, weights. That will look better than the other guy's muscle bellies is to get is to handle heavy enough weights to make the muscles grow. Yeah, yeah you got to be clear about the definitions because it's not bodybuilding in that you're going through this arbitrary cutting and bulking cycle it, it actually is bodybuilding but we're well we're building the body but the the appearance of the body on a stage in a bathing suit right is not it's not the, the criteria bodybuilding it's, it's the a, sport of bodybuilding is completely a beauty contest right. it is exactly the same thing as miss america because you have to you you can't leave out the you you can't leave out the aesthetic benefits of 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 strength training. Would you, would you no, say there are aesthetic? I didn't say there yeah. weren't any. No, I know. But when you but when you say what I said was when you say that, when you say that we don't care about it, people think that you, people will assign that you just want them to be fat and strong, right? That's not the case. But we that's of course you know that's people can manufacture sure, what I said sure. all day long, and that you know and we give you examples of that every time we have a chance in comments from the haters. That's right. And you but, have to remember that that. Oh, Almost everybody that walks into a gym does it because they want to look better. And the way to look better is to get bigger and right. stronger. And and I'm not saying that it's wrong to want to look better. That's not what I said. All right. What I said was we judge the effectiveness of our programming by how strong you get, by how strong you are, where you started and where you end up, what direction your strength is headed, not what direction your visible abs are taking. Right. Because, you know, a guy with 28% body fat walks into the gym, and he trains productive as hell. He trains wonderfully, and he puts three years worth of training. He gets his squat from 135 pounds up into the 500s for sets of five. Now, he looks better. Absolutely. But his body fat's only gone down to 23%, and I don't care. He doesn't either. The, the and he thing. doesn't either because he looks better at 23% than he did at 28% because his muscle mass has grown as a result of the accumulation of a strength adaptation. And that's what we're concerned with. Yep. There's an underlying need for uh, agreement here from people listening that you you care, number one, about getting strong. That's the easy one, but also that you care about efficiency, right? Because uh, if, if we're going to talk about an optimal way to do things, an optimal way to do things in terms of putting the most weight possible on the bar, but that's covered with just wanting to get stronger, but also optimally in terms of how fast we're going to do it and optimally in terms of learning how to move. And optimally in terms of positioning, so you don't over time you're not fucking yourself up, right? You know, because you you you'll get plenty strong high bar squat and front squatting, low bar squatting with your knees traveling all over the place. So this is the reason we have to have the the method in a way to, in a way to do this that's derived from all these from all these fundamental principles, uh, because you want to you also want we assume to do things efficiently. Yes, efficiency is is got quite a bit to do with this. Because it's everything. It's everything yeah. of the fact that time is money. Time is money. You've got shit to do. We've got shit to do. You've got a finite amount of time on earth. And other things are expected of you than just your, getting your squat up. So what we've got to do is maximize the amount of effect 
spent under the bar. And we do that by tinkering with the movement pattern and tailoring it to specifically do the greatest amount of muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion. All of these things are discussed at length in the blue book. All right, the way we tell you to do this in the blue book reflects strength training. All right, so the squat, obviously, the press overhead is done a certain way right. to maximize the amount of muscle mass involved in the exercise and the amount of weight that that great amount of muscle mass can move. The deadlift, the bench press, the same thing. Well, and, the power clean is the same thing, and in terms the of the chins are it, the same thing. In terms know? of the mechanical analysis, though, if you're if you're if you are operating at the limits of your performance, which is what we're talking about here, is operating and stressing the limits of your performance, the mechanical model has to be such that that you're able to do that by adding enough weight, but also that you're not fucking yourself up. Right. If right? you injure yourself because your mechanics are incorrect, then you can't strength train anymore. That's exactly right. Right, so there's a there's a reason why the efficiency of the movement must be there, because if safety is ignored for the sole purpose of adding five more pounds, when your movement has some inherent inefficiencies in it, you're going to get hurt, and now you're not strength training anymore because you can't do the five pounds. Yeah, you're just managing injuries. Right chronic injuries right chronic injuries are bad that's not what we have in mind what we have in mind is you continuing to get stronger over time with correct efficient movement anatomically derived movement exactly and that's what our that's what all those chapters about the lifts are in the book now the only one of these movement patterns we're talking about that's not weighted with a barbell is the chin chin is for that reason is an assistance exercise but it is an it, it is a it is a a very very important efficient uh, assistance exercise because of the fact that it answers the question about how do we load this normal human movement pulling something toward us now in the article i mentioned that barbell rows are the barbell version of answering that question but we don't use barbell rows for novices because they're already power cleaning and they're already deadlifting barbell rows become an important assistance exercise for later on in your training career but it's the pulling it fills in the pulling part of strength training the pulling toward you part of strength training but all six of these movements, all of them, are normal movement patterns, and all we're doing is loading them. Now, back to chins, we don't do weighted chins necessarily as part of our early programming in, in the novice phase of a person's training because most people start off unable to do a, a correct chin. Some people can do them on day one, but most people can't do them correctly. And an, an approach to getting the chin, uh, get where you can do five body weight chins, uh, might be to ignore the chin for a while and just let the deadlift strengthen all of those structures without the actual 
elbow flexion part of it. And eventually the deadlifts will provide enough strength in those structures to allow you to do a chin. And then as you gain body weight over the first six, eight, nine months of your training, you gain body weight. When you do your chins, you're doing more weight. You're, you're handling more weight. Now, I'm not saying to never do weighted chins. Those are perfectly uh, viable approaches to doing this movement pattern for more advanced trainees. I can't do them. They hurt my shoulders. Can, can you do them? I can't. Weighted chins? No, I can't do weighted chins. I'm too I, heavy. I, I, I could I, fuck. I could barely do regular <laughs> chins, man. I can't do – I've tried to do weighted chins several times, and they just fuck my shoulders up every time I do them. And my shoulders are injured right now. I don't even dare try that. But if you're a strong 25-year-old guy and you want to do some weighted chins and you get your weighted chin up to 75 pounds, by God, go for it. I only have three clients doing it. AJ got his up to almost 100 pounds for a set of five. That's very oh my nuts. God. That's, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, that's nuts. That's just nuts. You know, and I'm sure there's guys out there that can do them with 200, but I – yeah that's just nuts that's that's strong yep that's real damn strong and if you can if you can if you're that strong on those you know that they're beneficial to you so in overview here the 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 strength training is the strengthening of normal human movement patterns in a way that produces a continued adaptation toward increased force production i think that's fairly concise definition and here we come back to what is not strength training. Well, m- what most people think of as strength training is actually not strength training at all. Right? <laughs> Olympic lifting. All right? Now, everybody will jump up. And all the Olympic lifters are jumping up and screaming and yelling. All right. The snatch and a clean and jerk are not strength training now the snatch and a clean and jerk depend on strength it displays the strength they are displays of strength they are in fact displays of strength as displayed displayed as power strength displayed quickly is power they are displays of power they are also displays of technical precision technical expertise because you can't do a one rm snatch wrong well, you can. <laughs> you can do it wrong. I've got lots of videos of doing it wrong. But wrongs a is a you know subject to interpretation. The the, the, po- the one of the one of the fundamental points is if there if there is a technique component, it's not fundamentally strength training. Right. If there's if there's a of now because I mean all of our lifts have a technique. You can do the technique wrong, and therefore take the strength component out of the equation in terms of did you complete it or not right. because you're strong enough. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it won't make you stronger depending on the situation, but there's a hard limit on how much stronger that specific lift is going to make you. Right. Right? And that's Can the fundamental. Can the snatch strengthen the snatch? It, well, there you go. Now, what I would suggest is that the snatch cannot strengthen the snatch. Right. I think that the snatch must be performed correctly in order to be completed, but that the strength that it takes – to perform a snatch is developed by strength training yeah another another way to think about it is you know if you look at the most fundamental lift 
or the fundamental movement pattern, which would be the deadlift, does that improve the snatch, and does it work the other way? It doesn't. It does improve the snatch, and the snatch does not improve the deadlift. Right. Perfect example of exactly what we're talking. The snatch uh, and a clean. The clean is improved by the deadlift. The clean does not improve the deadlift. Right. All right. Strength off the floor is the deadlift. The clean requires strength off the floor, but what happens after the bar leaves the floor is a matter of technique. If the pull goes over there, then you're not going to be able to rack the clean. It's got to be done correctly. All right, and everybody's maximum pull is their maximum deadlift. If you, if you're laying at Taranenko, and in 1988, you clean a jerk 266 kilos, which is 568 pounds. How much could you deadlift that day? Quite a bit more than that. Quite a bit more than that. You know, and the fact that he didn't train the deadlift is irrelevant. If someone had put a gun on him and said, you will now deadlift this 825-pound barbell, and he said, okay, well, <laughs> if I do this, well, you'll, you'll not shoot me, right? And they said, no, we will not shoot you if you deadlift. He would have deadlifted the 825 because right. he could have done it. He's strong enough to yeah. do that. Here's another interesting thing. Well, first, is it for sure that he didn't deadlift? Do you know, like, is that a thing? Well, I don't know that for sure. Okay. Because he may have, right? You know, he may have. But that, here's, that, here, they say he didn't. Okay. Most of these guys will say that all they've done is the snatch, clean jerk, front squat, back squat. Right, right. That's yeah. all they do. Well, that's believable. I mean, a guy like that. It is believable. Of course. I mean, the guy wouldn't be on the Soviet national team sure. if he wasn't real fucking strong. So, so here's the you know. interesting thing we're talking about because I, I don't know. Well, people may disagree, but fuck them. But you know, he, he's he's uh, he's clean and jerking five eighty six. We're saying that he's going to deadlift in excess of seven hundred fifty, closer to eight eight hundred uh, plus pounds, eight, right? You know. Now, if you get a now, here's here's a uh, here's a better argument. You have a guy who deadlifts nine hundred pounds. Doesn't mean that he's going to clean and jerk anywhere near that. No, 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 right? no. But and we know for a fact, right, and we're not saying we know that. for. But here's the thing: we know for a fact that a guy who can clean and jerk over 500 pounds is going to have a massive deadlift. He's going to have a massive, and furthermore, if he gets his deadlift up, his clean will go up too. Yep. But the guy right? who has a but the, the guy with a thousand pound deadlift may not be able to clean four hundred. So what does that tell you about strength training, right? right? I mean, what does that tell you about the fundamental nature of the the main lift in terms of in terms of force production, right? So the yeah, I mean the the guy is stronger. The guy who can the guy who can uh, the guy who can clean and jerk that much weight is already stronger without even training it. It's a fundamental attribute that he already right. possesses that he hasn't even developed. Is the other crazy thing, right? Right. And if he developed it further, but, and what this would has to do with his neuromuscular efficiency, his own personal neuromuscular efficiency. If you got a thirty-six inch ver- vertical jump, you are already stronger than somebody with a twenty-two inch vertical jump, right? It's exactly walked right. in without having done a damn thing. That's why those guys are in the position to win gold medals. That's right. That's right. The sport selects for that kind of neuromuscular efficiency, and therefore it's selecting for inherent strength. Mm-hmm. Right. But what we do know is that no matter your level of neuromuscular efficiency, if you train for strength, 
if you use strength training. All other aspects of your athletic performance will improve up to the point where practice time is being compromised by your your by your strength training. Now that's easy enough to manage. We're not talking about you know, I, if I'm talking about a high-level Olympic weightlifter, I want him to deadlift once every two weeks. I want him to do a PR set of five once every two weeks. That's all I want. In other words, I don't you want don't him want... deadlifting four days a week, taking up clean jerk practice time, yep. snatch practice time. In other words, you don't want him to train for a strength specialization. You no. want him to train for a Olympic lifting specialization. Yes. But I want him to understand that that strength What's formed, what's produced by the deadlift, by an accumulating deadlift PR, is fundamental to his snatch and clean and jerk. That's what I want him to exactly. understand. Just like it is for any other sport. For any other sport, for bowling. All right? Yep. So the, the, the situation is that strength training, even in the sport of powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting, strength training as a separate consideration – is important for those two barbell sports. Just because you're doing three single squats, three single bench presses, and three single deadlifts on the on the platform at a competition doesn't mean that strength training is not important as an addition to your practice for doing singles. Because you don't do a suit and wraps squat one RM without having practiced it. This is one of the huge mistakes I made when I was competing in powerlifting. I didn't practice doing singles. You know, I'd, I'd done sets of five, done sets of three, but you going out, suiting ramps, taking a bar out of the rack, walking it back, getting set up, receiving the down signal, squatting it, standing back up, putting it back in the rack is a skill. You didn't do a whole lot of practice with wraps and suits? No, I didn't. Huh. Yep. I didn't like wraps and suits, oh, and nobody. I didn't do near nobody enough practice does. with wraps and suits. <laughs> nobody does. It's, it just I, sucks. I, and, and if I, you, I hated it, and I just didn't I did, didn't apply myself to that because I didn't have anybody tell me, look, you, you know, I was basically on my own here, hmm. and I didn't have anybody say, look, this aspect of the competition is a skill that has to be practiced just like tennis mm -hmm. has to be practiced. You've got to know when to do what. You've got to know what to think about. You've got to know how to focus your eyes and your mind. You've got to know what to do to make the third attempt squat go. And I had no idea. What I know now is so far in advance of what I knew back then. I, I had no idea. It never occurred to me where to put my eyes when I was doing a squat. Now, how fundamental a fucking mistake can you make? Yep. You know? You may have been doing it on right on accident. I might have been, but you I don't, don't know. You have any idea. You didn't think about it. I didn't have any instruction on sure. that. I had no idea. Sure. Now, I can tell you right now that you need to be looking at the floor when you squat. And you know how you know that's true? Where do you look when you put your pants on? 
the ceiling. <laughs> you, you look at the ceiling when you put your pants on one leg at a time. I go to a and have to not fall down while you put your pants on. No, you look at the floor, don't you? I go to a gymnasium with right? a thirty foot high ceiling and I stare at that one. Spot. I had a guy I stare, at the, <laughs> stare at the ceiling while I'm putting on my fucking pants. I had a guy right? tell me this the other day, and he, uh, it, it, I don't remember where I was. I was, I don't, yeah, I don't remember the context, but I, you know, we're talking about the deadlift and and where to look and stuff, and he's like, he's like, holy shit. Yeah, like if I'm in my garage and I'm picking something up, I look at the floor. Yeah, like, oh, yeah you do. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You look at the floor. Yeah. But all these idiots watch. Yeah, look up. Look up and go up. The other thing to remember. You know, that's why they started putting the back spotter. The sumo, too. On the, the, the stupid on the, stance is also, you, you, is you also you the use problem. Use stable sumo stance. Right. And you look up at the ceiling. Yeah, these guys are falling over backwards. backwards. They got to lean. So the back spotter on that means that two people get hurt instead of one, <laughs> which is that's good. Yeah. They got to lean. That's way clear back thinking, to isn't the it? Yeah. The other the other thing in, in terms of powerlifting is if you if you are uh, if you're modifying your technique to to game the rules, uh, you know, like you're doing a sumo pull or you're doing a, a wider wider grip, um, you, you don't you don't train it that way. You train it in the way that's going to that's going to get Produce you the most the, result the best strength and then here comes the practice part of it as you start as right. you get closer to the meat you start practicing the wider grip you start practicing right. the the abomination of the sumo if that's what you're going to do you know yeah. oh fuck maybe maybe if you choose to compete in a in a federation that doesn't judge judge depth you practice squatting high sure you know because of course you do because yeah. you got to feel the what you're going to call the bottom right so you can do the amount of weight you had planned on doing to that depth exactly the majority you know. of the work in terms of the strength training, though, is going to be you know mostly sets of five, yeah. and it's going to be the full range of motion lifts the way we we teach them because right. of everything we've talked about up to this point. You know? Now, back in the '80s, when you first started seeing sumo deadlifts, what all those guys that were doing great big sumo deadlifts did was they trained conventional, of course, because it works it, better. Because it works better because right. it makes you stronger. Right. And then they converted to sumo at the meet. Yep. I think most of them probably practiced it a couple of times before they got to the meet, but most of the sumo deadlifts were a function of the warm-ups done in the warm-up room at the meet. Yep. They didn't train that way because right. they knew better than that. Yep. All right. But every high school football coach in the United States, he's got his little kids in there wearing a deadlift suit that's too loose. <laughs> squatting, squatting with an eight-hand-width wide you know bench uh, grip it's ridiculous yeah uh, it's so sickening oh man anyway so strength training i think this is a, a novel approach to the if you look at human movement patterns what we want is to strengthen the human movement pattern so what do we do we execute those normal human movement patterns in a way that maximizes the amount of muscle mass and the longest effective range of motion so that we can lift more weight in those normal human movement patterns and thus be stronger. Now, this excludes most assistance exercises, doesn't it? Into what framework do leg extensions fit with this definition? They don't. Yeah, the only the only way they because they're not in. normal human movement patterns, and they don't contribute to the strength of normal human movement patterns. Right. 
Yeah, especially begin. I mean, the only the only assistance exercises and, and people people look at it this the wrong way. You know, the, the assistance exercises. In, in other words, any modification, right. any modification from the from the basic movements is is done out of necessity to manage stress. That's it. That's it. That's all it is. Well, and it, what it, assistance exercises do in the 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 fitness industry as they're as they're you know and if you're if you're training power lifters assistance exercises it's it's bodybuilding they're thinking about muscle bellies and muscle groups and body parts right they're not thinking about normal human movement patterns and here's another very important distinction between our analysis of this and everybody else is thinking on this thing we understand that the squat done correctly is all you need to do for that movement pattern we understand that the deadlift is all you need to do to strengthen that movement pattern back extensions are not an assistance exercise for the deadlift now, it took me a while to think about that. A long time ago, I did a bunch of weighted leg back extensions. They didn't make my deadlift stronger, and they won't make your deadlift stronger because you can't do enough weight with them to cause enough stress to produce the adaptation of a bigger deadlift. If the movement that you're doing under load does not produce stress sufficient to drive an adaptation, then you're wasting your time if strength is what you're trying to accumulate. Yeah, in the in the context of strength training, um, and really in the context of, of productively using assistance exercises or isolation exercises, you have to look at it in terms of managing stress. So the base, the 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 thing that you're trying to do is continually add weight to your squat deadlift bench and overhead press that's that, what you're trying to do all the that time is most efficiently accomplished by doing well well hold on because there's going to come a point where you can't just continually do those things because it's too systemically stressful we're talking two three four years down the line where you just can't do those all the time so what you do is you manage stress by using variations and assistance exercises that's where they fit in in the context of strength training totally unnecessary for almost everybody training almost all the time right, right? But no, no, that's absolutely true, and that's what rack pulls and haltings are. Sure. They are versions of the pull off the floor right? that are less stressful than the deadlift because by the time you get to where you're deadlifting 600, that may be what you have to do to manage your recovery between workouts. Exactly right. All right? Now, if you're not deadlifting but 315, do you need to rack pull? No. And you shouldn't rack pull. You should do the more stressful full range of motion deadlift. But if you are a strength specialist, in other words, if you are a competitive power lifter, and you've gotten your deadlift up way over 600 pounds, you're not going to be able to deadlift, you know, 655 for a set of five and get recovered from it for three weeks. They're just too incredibly fucking hard. You know, so at that point in time, some breakdown in the range of motion, usually, of these exercises has to take place. But for the people we're talking to today, 
We are not talking to competitive lifters. That's not what this podcast is for. We are talking to you because if you're a competitive lifter, you've already got your own ideas about this and be damned if you're going to listen to Ripito. But I'm talking to your mom, talking to your aunt, your dad, your grandfather. He needs the strength and he needs to understand what makes you stronger. He needs to understand where strength comes from. He needs to get in the gym and do his normal human movement patterns to the extent that he can copy them with these six basic exercises. And he needs to add a little bit of weight every time he comes in the gym. I'm going to let the advanced competitive lifters do whatever they want to do. I might not coach you the way you're coaching you, but that's irrelevant. I'm not, I don't care about you. I'm not a powerlifting coach. I'm not an Olympic weightlifting coach. I'm not a strongman coach. I'm a strength coach. And we deal with people who are not single-mindedly devoted to winning a trophy in a meet. We're dealing with people who just want to be stronger for being alive longer and being alive more effectively while they're here. Because strength makes you more effectively alive. It's the basis of everything. It's the most fundamental adaptation that human bodies can make. It's producing more force because it has an absolute effect on every other way you use your body. And if you're not using your body, well, you're not living. You know, it's you're in a wheelchair. You're trapped in a wheelchair. You're not strong enough to get out of the wheelchair. You've got a horrible disease. You're not strong enough to get out of the wheelchair. You may enjoy a wonderful intellectual existence, but it's not what you want. It's not complete. You see, your body's what makes you human. I'm not saying if you're trapped in a wheelchair, you're not human. Don't, don't try that hard to... <laughs> falsify my argument you pieces of shit you know what i'm saying and using your body is terribly important using your body is a function of your ability to produce force with your body's muscles and that's just all there is to it that's all there is to it what's the difference between you and your great-grandfather you're stronger than he is now when he was your age he could probably whip your ass. But the difference between you and him now is that he's not very strong anymore. All right? Now, if you've got any sense of decency at all, you'll help him get stronger. Because your 78-year-old great-grandfather can get stronger if you'll just learn how to apply this definition of strength training to him strength training by this definition applies to every living human being who is capable of getting up out of a chair there's a place to start and a way to apply the principles of strength training and the principles of strength training are normal human movement patterns loaded 
in an incrementally increasing fashion in order to produce a forced production adaptation. Right? Right. Now, you know, you guys falsify me, please. All right? But be honest about it. I think this is a pretty good way to approach this, and I think it helps organize your time in the gym. I think it helps organize your efforts toward technical perfection under the bar. And it always works. It always works. Leg extensions and 20-pound dumbbells and functional training, which is complete bullshit. Complete, total bullshit. 20-pound dumbbells don't do a damn thing for anybody. Okay? And, you know, you can figure out a way to dance around in the floor on unstable surfaces all day long, but you're not getting any stronger, and you know you're not getting any stronger. That's why you're taking steroids, isn't it? You're stuck on a on a sports team with one of those guys as the strength coach. You're If you're not on some Dianabol and some test, well, you're just a fool. <laughs> So that's what the anabolic steroids have made up for bad strength training for a very long time. They're the, they're the shim between the floor and a shitty strength coach. (laughs) So think about this. Uh, I think we've got a pretty solid case for our analysis here. And, uh, I think it helps order your thinking about what we do. So, you guys got any observations you want to add to this? Nothing further from me, counselor. They're just overwhelmed, aren't they? Bree? Oh, wait, she's not here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks. Appreciate you watching this podcast. We'll see you next time here on Starting Strength Radio.